All right, I'm here with my friend Jacob. What's up? What's up? So we've been wanting to do a podcast. I think that Jacob is such an interesting individual. He's got so much to offer. We just met just recently through a mutual friend of ours. How long have you been in Utah? I've been in Utah for just over a month now. Over a month, and how do you like it? I love it. I love being in the mountains. You're not bored yet? No, not yet, even with the virus. Even with the virus, you're still doing good. That's good. And what do you do for a living? I work at a treatment center that I actually used to go to uh, when I was 15. So I work there as like a mentor and I uh, sort of watch the kids with their daily activities and stuff. Which is why I wanted you to be on this so bad as soon as I heard that story. Because it's like you are giving back to someone that was just like you when you were 15 yeah so what was your experience like in utah well, the first time you came uh the first time i came well i was actually in a wilderness program um in georgia for four months when i was 15 and then i moved out to utah to go to the school the day i turned 16 um and i was definitely not into the mountains or anything like that so for, through being there for over a year and then the school i went to after in mount pleasant I definitely became a lover of the mountains um, and then that's definitely a big part of the reason why I decided to move out um, four years later, or almost five years later. So, uh, and where are you from? Like, what's what, like, where you're from? What is your lifestyle like? So, I'm originally from South Florida, basically Miami. So, the whole, um, I guess, culture of where I'm from is a lot of uh, materialism. Um, Going out and, and uh, drinking and partying is like pretty much all any of my friends and family do for fun. Um, so coming out here is like a huge lifestyle change because a lot of the times I would do that stuff just to sort of do stuff with other people. To um, socialize. Just to socialize. So it's cool to come out here and meet a lot of people that are like-minded, um, you know, like-minded individuals that also like the outdoors and doing stuff. So it's definitely a big change. That's awesome. Yeah. So when you were 15 and you were thrown into this wilderness program, um, what kind of lifestyle were you? What got you to the point where you had to go to wilderness? So, um, I was originally sent away when I was twelve to a therapeutic 12? school. Yeah, that's a baby. Yeah, I was a baby. Yeah, to a therapeutic boarding school in Idaho, um, and then I was there for a little over two years. But what what got you to the point where you had? So you talk about most that? yeah. So most of my most of my issues that I was sent away for um, just had to do with general behavior. So, for example, going to school, I would do anything I could to avoid going to school. Um, if I got to school, I would do anything I could to get picked up from school um, or eventually kicked out of school, which happened to every school I was at but prior to uh, 12 years old. Um, and so it was a lot of not going to school, um, a lot of uh, temper tantrums whenever I didn't get my way. Um, I was very entitled, felt like whatever I wanted, I, I, I should have. So you came from a background, like what, describe your parents like how what were you how were you brought up and what got you to the point where yeah kind of got you into that down world well spiral? i'm the i'm the youngest of three um three boys so i think um combination of that and then the uh drug and alcohol issues that my mom was having mm-hmm. is pr- probably what resulted in me not feeling like i had much attention yeah. so i pretty much would do anything i could to you know act out in in, in like kind of like uh like they say in like in Hollywood, any publicity is good publicity. Yeah. It's kind of just like even if I had, you know, negative attention for misbehaving or acting up, it felt like anything I could do to get attention was beneficial to me. Did you know that that's what you were doing when you were doing Yeah, it? I think I was pretty aware of it, even okay. at a really young age. 
And um, how long were your parents married for? They were married for, uh, I believe, like 16 years. Okay. So my They bro- were with each other while yeah. you were going through this? Uh, well, I was eight when I got divorced, so no. Okay. Um, but I'd say my behavioral issues and just acting crazy and off the walls started when I was probably five or six. Okay. So they always knew that I was kind of the... Uh, problem child in some effect. So you're like the black sheep of the... Yeah, yeah. And I always felt that way. Um, I, I am too. Yeah. But I'm the oldest, so... Yeah. <laughs> I definitely always felt that way and especially with my love for the mountains just because we'd always come out, um, you know, to Colorado and stuff to ski when I was younger. Um, like really little. But I... And I always felt like this is where I'm going to end up. Somewhere yeah. in the mountains. Um, and the rest of my family kind of just saw it as a vacation spot. So I think I, from a very young age I felt like that. Like I was just a little different. Yeah. Um... How so, old yeah. were you when you first tried drugs, and what was it? Dr- drugs or alcohol? What did you do? What was your first time? How old and where? The first time I did anything was weed, and it was with my mom, and oh, I was wow. nine years old. She um, gave it to you? Yeah. I had never seen weed before. I'd never smoked, obviously. Um, I'd never been around anybody smoking it, so I was watching a music video in her house with a friend, and then she's, there, there was like weed in the music video, I think. And she was like, oh, do you guys want to smoke? Like, have you smoked? And I guess my friend had smoked before. Um, who was also my housekeeper's son, so I, I, and he was a little older than me, so I think he had, he had smoked. Um, but my mom, my mom was like, "Yeah, I have some. You can, you guys, you know, whatever." So that was my first time smoking. It was Holy with my mom. Holy crap! Yeah. Nine years old. Yeah. The first time I picked up a cigarette, I lived in Los Angeles, and so um, in LA, there's drugs on the floor. There's, I mean, it's nasty. Yeah. I picked up somebody's disgusting, like half-thrown cigarette. Yeah. I didn't know how to smoke it, but. I picked it up and I saved it and I had this little, this disgusting like cigarette that I had saved for like two days and then I found a match or I don't know yeah. but I found it but I was so stupid I was like seven years old I started walking <laughs> around um the next neighborhood yeah. like on the other side of the block and I'm like no one's gonna know me here because yeah. you're seven years old you think you're getting away with shit yeah. so then I lit up the cigarette and I started walking down the street like I was some big <laughs> And some lady saw me, obviously, called my mom and told her. So by the time I got home, my mom, like, literally choked me, grabbed me by my neck, choked me. And she's like, breathe on me, breathe on me. I'm like, what? And I'm all holding my breath. And she's, like, opening my mouth. And she's like, you fucking smoke. You fucking smoke. You fucking nasty. And I got my ass beat that day. I was like, oh, shit, I'm not ever doing that again. And then after that, um, I think I tried weed in high school a couple of times, but I didn't know how to smoke it. Okay. So I don't think that counts. Yeah. But um, I didn't really start drinking until I was getting divorced. So okay. I didn't. That's when I met, and my I cut my dad is an alcoholic, yeah. so it does run in my family to right. to have an addiction yeah. like that. So um. I did find myself almost struggling with alcohol during my divorce. I like I was telling you earlier, I was drinking yeah. um <laughs> the big ass bottles of vodka. Like yeah. yeah. Like I would go every other day to the liquor store to get that so I could go to sleep. Right. And then I would go to and I started smoking cigarettes like a pack a day and I weighed like a hundred pounds. Like oh, really? I was super disgustingly like tiny. I was Sorry. like a bobblehead. Yeah, I wasn't eating. All I I was surviving on like Red Bulls, cigarettes, and to sleep vodka. Yeah. That was my life. Yeah. Let me see.
Okay, so now um, I do want to ask you about what was your experience like when your parents... How did it happen, by the way? Okay. Did you get in trouble? Did they sit you down? How, what happened the first time that you were sent away? So um, it was sort of a long, a long time coming just because my behavior had only um, you know, progressively got worse. But I distinctly remember about a week before I got sent away, I was hanging out at the country club that I lived in. And me and a friend had found somebody's wallet in a chair. How old were you again? Twelve. Twelve. And we took the wallet into the bathroom. There was like $1,200 in cash in the wallet. And I remember I took half of it, gave half to my friend, um, and then actually gave 100 bucks to my brother to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> and then... years Who was four years older than, than both of us. Um, and then... Uh, I think about like maybe two days later, I walked into my, my, my dad was like, you know, like called me up to my own room, I guess. And he was just laying on my bed with like all the cash and like an iPod touch that I bought from GameStop with the money. And like, it was like a sunglass case that I had like hid the money in or something. And that was like the last major straw. Um, but it was coming anyway, because I had gotten kicked out of school, um, which is, I was in, uh, let's see, I guess I was in. Sixth grade, yeah, I got kicked out of uh, of the of uh, American Heritage school that I went to, and my it was like a like a prep school, um, and so you were brought up in a really good, comfortable yeah, lifestyle. yeah, 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 financially extremely comfortable. Um, everybody was like pretty affluent, like where I'm from. Um, it's like a lot of prep schools, and for the most part, people live like in uh, you know drive nice cars, live in big homes. But um, I don't know if, if I think it's definitely the money. But there's a whole like. No, I don't think it discriminates. There's, there's something. Race oh no! No, it doesn't. Addiction is addiction. Yeah, but I think with the money is more access, and with the access yeah. is more likelihood for it to happen. So there's a lot. There's just like a lot of addiction. I mean, like now that I'm older and I'm more aware, I see that like every one of my friends and their parents and their uncles and they like it's like you know it's honestly like more it's more than half of people that i know mm-hmm. from where i'm where i live which There's is obviously a lot lifestyle. different from from utah yeah um so uh i'm sorry i i got no no, no it's okay sidetracked no. so yeah no I oh yeah this. so yeah so i got okay so a week that was a week before um i was sent away that i got caught with that money and then uh i had already been kicked out of school so i kind of knew something was happening anyway um and then my dad woke me up around four in the morning and I remember he like woke me up and told me like, um, like go take a shower, put on these clothes. And then before I went to the shower, I walked outside of my bedroom and I saw there was like a suitcase by the door, and I didn't know what was going on. Um, and then I got out of the shower and he was sitting on Were my bed. Were you ever afraid of your dad? No, no, I was never afraid of my dad. Um, my dad was like, as far as like consequences go, like he was very bad at it, because mm-hmm. he's just like, like definitely not the person you want to upset. Um, because he keeps a pretty, like, you know, he keeps a pretty good, uh, um, like he stays calm and cool and collected, mm-hmm. like when everybody's freaking out. So like when he's upset, you know that like you really it's fucked serious. up. Yeah. yeah. But, um, no, I wasn't. And then, so I got, I got out of the shower, um, which I remember like very clearly and I sat down on my bed and he was like, I know you've been dealing with like, I don't know exactly what he said, but something about like my anxiety and like the way I acted out and stuff and said, I want to get you help. And then two giant black dudes walked in my room. And it was like 4.15 in the morning. And, and he's like, these guys are going to take you to a school in Idaho. Um, I don't know what he said. Like, it's, it's a camp. I don't know. Some, some bullshit, he said, to make me feel better. But um, 
I remember like they they were like you know don't fight us or we're gonna have to use like restraints and stuff, um, and I was just like whatever. I remember sitting in the car in the back seat and then them driving like. Did down. you feel hate for your dad at this moment? What did, did you? No, I knew I knew that like I knew there was something different about me than my brothers because the way I acted. Like I knew something was. But were coming you mad at him because of what he was pulling in this moment? I guess for a little while, yeah. yeah. But I was more upset. confused and upset, yeah, and I was just like crying probably, and it was just like, I want to talk to my dad, let me talk to my dad, whatever. You, want, you wanted to be like, I'm sorry, like... Yeah, so I ended up in Idaho, um, and then I guess like within a couple of days of being there, I had like a letter from him about like why I was sent away and stuff, um, and I guess for a while I was very like stuck in my way of thinking of like, oh, he's a narcissist, and he must, you know, feel so much better now that he shipped me away, whatever. In reality, as I got older, I realized that that's not an easy thing to yeah. do, to send your kid no 2,000 miles away. Um, and then it wasn't even until a few months ago. Um, so that was January of 2012. And then a few months ago, in, in October, uh, he told me that um, that day, that night was harder for him than the night that his father passed away. It was like when I truly understood that like that was not an easy thing to do. So, Aww. And that was just the first of the many schools I went to, but... Um, now you know, in hindsight, because hindsight's always twenty twenty, I realized that, that was probably really difficult for him to do. Oh yeah. To send his, you know, twelve year old, sure. two thousand miles away. So. Yeah, because and then the you've talked to me about this before, um, but you were saying that the wilderness program, you were like in the woods and you had to survive off the land. Yeah. Talk about that, because I was not aware that that was humane. Yeah. So, uh, two and a half years after I got sent to the first school. I begged for a chance to go home and, and see what it was like. I think I called it like a trial. How long were you there, by the way? Two and a half years. Two and a half school. years? Yeah. You were gone? Yeah. For two and a half years? Well, I, I visited. Yeah. So I your visited. Parents were not, your dad was not fucking around. No. Your dad was like... But he was also very involved. Like, he was on a therapy call with me twice a week with a therapist. Um, so, in the he beginning... Wrote, he wrote letters to me for every day. I mean, like, every week for two and a half years. Did he years. have to sign a contract, like, in yeah. the beginning? That this was going to be your life for the next yeah. few years? They're, they're, yeah, they, they become your legal guardians, yeah. So, but they're just, when your they're, dad they're, did this, he was literally giving up, like, rights to you. Well, not really, because he could just pull me out anytime. He's still my parent. Yeah, but, like, it lasted two and a half years. I, I, I'm oh, not, no, it doesn't last two and a half years for everybody. Some people are there for six months. But you chose to be there longer, or no, how I was did just, that happen? No, I was just a terrible kid. You were that bad. Oh, I was that bad. I was really bad. I so was break, you, I was breaking you, windows you, every day, punching people in the face in every day. The, in the program? Every day. Was? Every day. Oh, my God. I was, like, they had, like, you know, like, a, it was 50 kids living there. They had, like, a bully um, thing done where, like, everybody would, like, kind of fill out a survey about who they thought the biggest bully was. And I guess that was me for, like, a six months, for six months of being there just because... I was obviously terribly insecure, so I just tried to take out all my anger on everybody else, um, and did a lot of that for a while. So. So you beat kids up for no reason. And just bully just kids. Angry. I was a small like, kid. I was a very small kid. I wasn't like, by any means, physically intimidating to anybody. Yeah. But I was like, you know, I was an antagonizer. I did anything to get, you know, get a reaction out of anybody. Um, and where do you think that this stemmed from? Just being completely insecure about who I was. Why? I don't know. Probably because I was like, like we talked about the black sheep of the family. Yeah. My brothers never had issues with behavior or substances or anything like that. Yeah. So I just felt like, um, and on top of my mom was always saying, oh, you're the most like me. You're the one that's going to end up like me, telling me that I was going to end up like a drug addict. Um, so did you find comfort in like that in a way you connected with your mom? Yeah. Through that? hundred percent. Yeah. But that's, I feel but, you. But that's the only thing we connected on. So it was not healthy. I feel you because means. having an alcoholic father that was 
you know, he was doing a lot of terrible things, like beating yeah. the shit out of my mom and um, never there. Like, I don't, I don't honestly don't know. I think I can count on two fingers the times my dad ever hugged me. Like, yeah. there was no, like... No affection. No yeah. affection whatsoever. Right. So anything I could connect on with my dad, I think subconsciously I was doing so. Yeah. But to getting back to your question about wilderness, um, that was two and a half years after. Um, I went home for, like, three weeks and then, or went home for like a three week trial period to see like how it would go. But obviously I was just on my best behavior because I wanted to stay home. Mm-hmm. So eventually that worked. My dad was like, okay, you're staying home. And then a month later I got sent to wilderness because I wasn't going to school. I was smoking weed every day. I was staying at my mom's house, just smoking every day, doing nothing with my life. Um, and I just had a lot of anxiety about going to school. Um, I'm not sure really why, but I just didn't want to go to school. So that obviously wasn't going to work with our with our uh with our deal of me yeah. staying home. So I was actually woken up at the same time like 4 in the morning by the same two dudes <laughs> that took me two and a half years earlier. Um Manny and Jose with their names which is kind of funny because they're both black and they both have Hispanic names, Manny yeah. and Jose. But I'll never forget that. And uh and yeah, they took me to uh the airport, flew to Atlanta. They're like, you know the drill, man. Yep. And then the program picked me up at the Atlanta airport and then drove me, like, deep into the woods to meet up with my group, if you will. Um, So for four months, I just lived in the woods, hiked every day, lived under, like, a tarp. Um, You make your own food. Like, you start your own fire. So you you went from having this luxurious life. life, um, Like, everything I want, yeah. Everything you want. You had every, yeah. To yeah. living in the woods, did you find some kind of comfort in the woods? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That was probably the biggest turning point in my life just because, like, there was a big theme going on at that point where I actually started to realize that everybody in my life was walking on eggshells around me mm-hmm. because they were afraid of what answer to give me or what to do around me because, like, I everybody could just, in your I was a ticking life? time bomb. Yeah. Everybody mm-hmm. around me. Like, I was always just a ticking time bomb. Like... Like, oh, what could, you know, what is, what is he going to do if he, if he doesn't get the answer he wants? Or, like, I would just freak out. You're if I didn't spoiled. Get away. Yeah. So, um, that was, like, the big theme of wilderness is just realizing that I don't want to be somebody that everybody walks on eggshells around. Because I want... So, in you know, wilderness, you were, you, you weren't something special. You weren't... Yeah, I was just a normal. part of a team. Yeah, I was a part of a group. So, you found comfort in that. Yeah, for sure. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and then I was there for four months before I went to this this school that we were talking about that now I'm working at. Um, And I think that 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 school is probably, you know, where I did the most real work because it was like, wilderness is kind of more to see like what I need and where I need to go from there. Um, But Catalyst is really where like a lot of my actual like deep diving into like my own um, issues and inner work really happened. Um, and the therapist there and everybody was like super good at what they do, which is part of the reason I went back. I would, even if I'd gone somewhere that was not like, even if I'd gone somewhere that helped me as much as Catalyst did, and I didn't feel like they were really on top of their shit in terms of how they, um, provided therapy, I wouldn't be down to kind of sort of be a part of that, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I really like, it sounds cheesy being on the other side now because I was always super against therapy and all that and like any sort of authority, but that's part of the reason I decided to go back is because I actually believe in what they do because um, they they don't really leave any they don't like let any kids fall through the cracks they're really good at focusing on whoever needs to be focused on so. yeah it's and like what was like your most program. inner work that you feel like you you had to do to change that angry 
sad because I, I mean, I, I just know the Jacob that is standing in front of me today, and yeah. you seem like this chill guy, sweet, yeah, caregiving. So when you're talking to me about who you used to be, it, it's really hard for me to picture. Yeah. So what, what kind of work did you have to, or what things did you have to face within yourself, to, come out of that? I guess the number one thing was that all my friendships and relationships were like kind of built on just the fluff. Mm-hmm. There was no real substance to any of them. Um, so like trying to like become more of a vulnerable person was definitely part of that. Yeah. Um, and just realizing that like just because sharing weakness and emotion is not doesn't make you weak. Um, if anything, it makes you stronger to be in touch with like what your weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. It's just like those little realizations over time, um, I guess, shaped me. But like. I, I don't know, I didn't really, I, I, I was never really like an angry kid. I was just kind of like longing for like love and attention, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Just like everyone is. But yeah. um, once I uh, was able to behave in an appropriate way and act my age, I guess I was able to be more receiving of that love from everyone else because they were more likely to be around me and like want to be around me. But it was like a miscommunication. I, I feel like maybe your parents felt like... It's, I think it's just a love language. Yeah. They were loving you in terms of giving well, you everything my you mom was. Yeah, my mom wasn't around at all. Yeah. She was doing whatever. She was not around How at all. How often did you see your mom? Never. Never. The day my dad said, like, you're, you're done, like, we're, we're done. Like, she wasn't, like, we were not, she had zero custody. She did? Yeah. Because of the, her lifestyle. She was drunk 24-7. And that's what yeah. kind of... Basically, he was going, trying to provide for the family, and he would talk about how... At his desk, every time he heard sirens, he would think that, you know, she killed her three sons in a car accident. Because she would pick us up from school, do everything, drunk, like, all oh, yeah. the time. And it drove him crazy. So, I never really blamed my dad because he was busy, like, uh, providing for the family. And then raising three boys alone while doing that. Um, yeah, and then that created, that created a tough relationship with me and my oldest brother because he sort of took over daddy role. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hated him for that for a long time. But that sort of passed. But, um... No, I, I, my mom wasn't around, so it's like I, I honestly did, I did not really get much attention. Um, yeah, because men don't don't mother right. their children. Yeah, they don't. I mean, know he how. was he was good at like making sure we all did stuff together, but like but I don't know, it's kind of a mystery to there. me how that how 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 all that came to. But me. when you did see your mom, the few times that you did would see your mom, how was she like with you? Not, not, not affectionate. Not there, like literally not there, like mentally just not there. Yeah. So that must have taken a toll. That's probably where your anger and your frustration came from. Yeah, definitely. But I also knew she was miserable, so I never really blamed it on her. I knew she was sick. Even from a young age, I, I never really was angry at her. Yeah. Because I knew she was sick. It's like, um, I don't know. It's like if a little kid like cusses you out, you don't take it personally because that little kid is... It's just like... They're hurt. I, yeah, They're I always saw that she was like hurt and sick and miserable, and I never took anything personally. Yeah. Um, And... uh. My dad was always my biggest support system. Even after being sent away, like he was on every therapy call, like he cared a lot. But he knew that based on like he this, had to save you. Yeah, and he knew like he speaking to a psychologist. He keeps he talks about it a lot of like whenever we have this conversation. But like that told him like your job is to keep him alive until he's eighteen because on the path he is now he won't be because he's gonna you know I was always like attracted to whatever was like dangerous and scary and in my mind fun because it was dangerous and scary. So, so just, what was your drug of choice? Um. So, I was never really addicted to a drug. Um, I didn't really drink until I was like 17 years old, but I just smoked weed every day. When I, like, I would go on home visits and stuff and I would just smoke. Um, and then, 
would like come back, fail drug tests, wasn't able to go on a home visit again. So my issues weren't really with substance. It was mostly just with doing what I what I knew I wasn't allowed to do. Okay. Um, so you it, being in these programs, you kind of it was a way of you to it was a way that you were holding yourself accountable to be good. Like you found comfort in the mountains and away from that lifestyle. Did you feel safe? Safer than if you were at home when you were away? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Because now, how old are you? 21. 21. Now you're back and you're serving kids like you. Yeah. So, I, don't, I wouldn't say I'm serving them. I, I don't know. It just sounds like over-exaggerated. Over I don't think it's over-exaggerated. I, I think that you have put yeah. in... People, they go to school, you know, to have the profession that you do. Because they... But you, you were that child. So I think it's I'm just showing them that I'm that. just showing them that, 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 that there's life after Catalyst, but that they also might want to come back and help. Exactly. Not just at Catalyst, but like anywhere. So like you're giving you could, back. Yeah, but if I had like a smooth stay and like my therapy experiences went well, but by no means did they go well. But that's why I'm back, is because like I had the most miserable time you could have in therapy. And that's but you're the only back. reason. But that's the only reason. <laughs> if it went well, I would have never came back and helped. I would have just taken, taken what I learned and moved on my but life. Why, why do you mean it didn't go well? I mean, I had the roughest stay at every program I went to that I could possibly have had. Like, I fought it. Mm -hmm. I knew it was like to feel like I was like the number one focused on kid because I was. So the only reason I'm really there is to just show them that there is life after. That doesn't. This is not like how it is forever. Um, I don't know. It's not really. Eh, I don't know. I feel weird about saying that I'm I there, love that you're humble service. about but it. But it's not, but it's just, it's just really not how I feel. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm doing anything. I'm just, I'm really just doing what the rest of the mentors are doing. But I'm just kind of, I feel like when I'm there, they can look at me and be like, well, he was right where I am, like right now. And connect with you. Yeah. You're but that's really, like yeah, I'm not really doing program. anything different. I'm pretty much doing what all the other mentors are doing, um, which is mostly supervising. It's not like, I'm not like having... You know, I'll have, like, conversations with them that want to have conversations with me, but it's not like I'm, like, teaching classes or anything like that. Yeah. I'm mostly just supervising them and being there for them if they need someone to talk to. Um, How long do you think that you'll be um, doing this for? I have no idea. I, I'd say a lot of, like, I, I really don't, I don't know. Do you feel like this is your calling or is this something yeah. that you just have to do for now? No, not necessarily this is my calling, but help using my experiences to help is definitely my calling. Um, like, I lost my mom recently. To drugs and alcohol. I lost my best friend recently to drugs and alcohol. And then another one of my best friends I grew up with, I can't even talk to because he's so fucked up all the time. So it's like, I literally thought that I was headed in that route. Like, I thought I'd be dead before my mom you and my best friend. probably would. Yeah, like, I really, I really thought that way because they both had their issues even when I was younger, but it was very, like, inward. Mm -hmm. And mine was all very outward. So if I had stayed home, like, I would have gotten myself killed some way, whether it was on the road or an overdose or getting involved with the wrong people because I now know everybody like I now know people that have gone through all three of those scenarios and not made it out mm -hmm. so I'm like it sounds weird to say but I'm like still kind of shocked that like I am where I am and they're, they are where they are because I was always the one like the problem kid like the one that was like but that's why your dad came so hard yeah because he knew right that he he made it an ultimate sacrifice yeah. yeah yeah which is awesome sure. like you have a really good dad yeah, no, I, I do. Um, and, like, I tell him all the time that, like, I, losing to my best friend and now my mom is, like, probably something I wouldn't be able to survive hadn't I be gone through what I've gone oh, through yeah. with being sent away and stuff, so... And understanding that this is a, a sickness. You're right. You know, that's the end of the road for some people. They yeah. can win their battle with their own sickness. Right. 
Like and I'm, I think naturally I have a lot, of, a lot of empathy, which kept me from feeling any type of anger or resentment because I always understood that what people were going through was not necessarily like what they wanted to be going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always had that foresight, even from when I was young. So I never really bl- blamed my mom mm-hmm. for any of the stuff she dealt with. Um, and I always tried to help her and give her support all the way up until the end. So it's like, I have that perspective where I was like, I know what it's like to be feel like you're headed in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just honestly really afraid of ending up like her because she was miserable. And I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that person um, that loses like their whole family and stuff. So no. I've, but it also doesn't, it's not really like I made a choice at one point. It was just kind of like, over time, I just, just I became who I am because I didn't want to be that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's huge. I feel like a lot of people that go through, um, they lose a family member due to things like that. They go through a period of anger and then they kind of like store it and it becomes a part of them and they can't get over it. They go through like anger issues, like they're mad at that person. The fact that you can say because of the things that I went through, I I don't hold any resentment towards her because I understand that. That's yeah. you know that people don't get that life lesson. Yeah. So that's huge that you're able to say that and then you're able to be working in an environment that saved your life and now you could be saving other people's lives. Yeah. Which is why I was so excited to interview you for and I commend you and I think that you you don't have to take this as like I don't want to be this. I don't want to claim that. And I love yeah. that you're so humble about it. I, but, but you really, I it is humble. It is humble. And I'm telling you because you are 21 years old. 21 year old people don't want to be in Logan, Utah, yeah. and in the middle of nowhere at 21 with the like insight that you do have. You're incredibly mature Thank for you. a 21 year old. I appreciate that. I'm just saying the truth. That's all I'm saying. Because I I know that at 21, it's like most guys, when they're single, 21 years old. That's probably why I'm so grateful for having been sent away and going through that. It's because I have no appeal to, like, none of that stuff ever makes me happy. Like, I did it. Like, I partied and, like, went and hung out. Because I I didn't choose not to go to, I chose not to go to college. But all my friends and stuff are in college. And, like, I did that for a whole, like, year. Went up there every weekend and partied and stuff. But, like, I don't even enjoy that lifestyle because, like, I know where bring it, you happiness. Because I know where it leads to. Like, I have yeah. too much experience in seeing where it leads to. And, like, that, where it starts as fun and then it ends up being, like, a full, full-blown addiction. So, like, I try to just, as much as I can, have more fun with, um, like, activities that I do. Yeah. And just, like, getting more, like, finding more joy, like, internally. Which, again, like, all this stuff, like, I wish people understood like, how cheesy it sounds coming out of my own mouth to me. Because I was so against all this. And thought that it was, like just like propaganda like oh you're not gonna change me like whatever but like just seeing you know how it led you know what it manifested itself into with my mom and my best friend like I don't really have any appeal for that sort of like going out and partying like lifestyle like I honestly rather just like focus on myself so what are your hopes and dreams now I don't have any I just like help but where would you okay like at the end what's your end goal let's say do you want to have children do you want to have a wife one day no, I, 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 be honest. Right, right now, I, I don't like really want anything. Well, no, I'm not saying right now, but now that you get to live this life that yeah. you were given because of the choices that you made yeah. and the work that your dad put in, yeah. like I, I don't know, like I'd say, yeah. What would make you happy? Let's just let's rephrase that. What's Honestly, what's gonna I, make you happy? 
Just I I it's a hard answer to and qu- question to answer. I don't know. Are you happy right now? Yeah, but I I I can never I can never think about the future because that just gives me anxiety. <laughs> no, that's true. But this is this is this is true happiness for you. I guess, sure. But like but a big part of like my therapeutic work is realizing that like thinking and planning about the future is like really unhealthy for me. Yeah. I I can't do it at all. If I do it for 1 minute, I give myself immense anxiety. Yeah. Um there's so a, what a lot of things that Utah? I want to do. You said I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go back to Utah. When when did you decide that? Um, my best friend Tyler was like just deep into like hanging out with. Um, so he grew up in the same like lifestyle as me, like or not lifestyle, but same uh, like family dynamic. Like didn't have his mom, but like he had three 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 brothers and his dad. Um, and I guess at one point, just like while I was like in boarding school and stuff, he got involved with some really bad people and was you know drug dealing and I guess robbing people. I don't know what exactly he was doing, but not good stuff. Um, and then I decided I don't really want to be around this because I would be home and it's like he's the only person I really wanted to hang out with because he's my best friend, but I knew I couldn't be around it. And then my, at the same time, my mom had just gone to rehab um, and it just felt like if there's anything that I could like offer to anybody, like skill-wise, it's just like my experience of what I've been through. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather do that than continue doing something that is just it's something I'm good at but it, all it does is make me money it doesn't really make me feel like any fulfillment which is real estate mm-hmm. um, and uh, so I decided that around then and then because um, you were in October. real estate at yeah. home yeah for the last two years mm-hmm. um, or three now but um, no so it was like I already decided that in October and then uh, my friend Tyler was killed in a drug deal on October 12th and then my mom died on January 15th from an overdose and I wanted to stay yeah I wanted to stay in Florida just to be around my family um but I guess just had a like a, just a feeling of like now was the time yeah and if they if they could both tell me anything it'd be like you know don't wait like just go because what's the point of just staying comfortable and staying here so um I really wanted to stay home just because I was obviously a very hard time but I came out anyway and I was talking to my brother about this today I was I'm very happy that I did that because I feel like it would have just haunted me I would have been like I know what I need to be doing but I'm you know so I'm glad that I just decided to come out um, I'm glad too yeah but it's weird no none, none of it makes sense to me like like my mom literally passed January 15th so what that's like two months and ten days ago yeah. um and then my friend was October so what's it not even six months four four or five months ago I don't even know were but, you expecting your mom to end up no, she got out of rehab two days before she overdosed, and I was like, I was on the phone with her, and she's like, I'm, you know, I'm committed to my recovery and all that. Um, yeah, so I thought, I really thought that she was like on the, you know, Getting or at least, or at least for the, yeah, but you never really like, after you see somebody going in out of rehab like thirty times more, she's been to like every rehab in the country. You don't really have hope. You just kind of like hope for the best, but like you don't really get your expectations up. It's like. You don't want to like hurt your own feelings by like getting excited. It's just, so I guess I was like, yeah, good for you. Like you're going to your meetings and stuff, but I didn't really have any real expectations, um, and I wasn't surprised at all when my dad called me two days later because it just makes that's when people overdose is right when they get out of rehab because they're like thirsty to to do whatever they're addicted to again. So um, I don't know. Yeah, those those two people are definitely a huge part of why I'm doing what I'm doing, um, but that's not to say I don't like you know deal with like normal like amounts of anxiety like as apart from both of them passing like I do and I think that's part of the reason I like 
working now at a treatment center is because um you're almost saving somebody else yeah and well I, I guess I could like show them that like it's not that's not forever you'll get out of it eventually but like you're still gonna have like your, your life problems are only gonna get worse mm -hmm. and so it was like it's kind of something I didn't really realize until it happened but like the, your, the problems that you deal with are gonna get worse which is why it's more important to be become better at coping because yeah. the stuff that you're gonna have to cope with is only gonna get bigger and bigger Yep. As you get older, you're gonna lose people eventually. Um, you're gonna lose jobs. You're gonna lose relationships. You're gonna yeah. lose yourself. You're gonna yeah. lose um, family, pets, something. Yeah. You know, yeah. something's always gonna come at you. And you have right. to prepare yourself for the worst. Right. So, so yeah. So like I said, when I was there, I was upset. Like I'm away from home. Blah blah blah. But um, I didn't really miss out on anything. You know, like you don't feel like the need to go back. To go back home. Mm -hmm. Um. No, I talked to my. My dad and my brothers like every day, um, so I'm 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 close with them. But like, no, short answer is no. So, ladies, Jacob is single. <laughs> is he true. saw like what? For, for a long time, hopefully. <laughs> for a long time, oh no! But he's really a great friend, and I'm I've been so blessed to meet you. I was so happy. Yeah, like we've had, we've had some very fun yeah we have had some really deep conversations and you are such an old soul i feel like i'm not talking to a 21 year old when i'm talking to you yeah. i can't even get a conversation like this out of a 40 year old so i do want to like thank you for sharing this part of you because i feel like um the people that feel unheard always look for people that are willing to talk yeah. and i feel like you know a lot of people that choose to leave this world felt unheard mm -hmm. and that's why i like to create a platform for people that are willing to talk yeah. about the things the trials and tribulations that they've been through because the people that decide you know what i can't do this and they take their own life um are people that just felt unheard and felt right. like they couldn't go anywhere they no one um knew what they were going through yeah so people like you are saving lives day in and day out because you're creating a voice yeah and i, I so. and I, I really want you to know that even as humble as you are that you are making a change and i feel like that's what's important to you and you really are so at 21 years old trust me i'm pretty sure you're probably the youngest person on your crew yeah. on your staff am i wrong no, yeah, i am yeah exactly because yeah. at 21 year old yeah. you don't want to be doing that shit when you're 21 yeah like People don't get this aha moment until they're like well lived into their lives, right. into their years. Yeah. So what you're doing is an awesome thing. And I want to thank you for sharing your side of the story. And I hope that you create your own podcast yeah, I know. because I feel like you have so much more to offer than this. Yeah, I definitely want to do that. So I might have to, I might have to look into doing that. Soon. He's going to be doing that. I'm going to teach him all the ways. And but as soon as he you, does. Yeah. But thank you again for having me on. It's you're awesome. welcome you're yes. welcome and i am so happy that we became friends and yeah more adventures summer's coming up so we're gonna get ready put on our hiking boots and discover the world yes and hopefully <laughs> do a podcast on top of a mountain or something crazy yes let's do it all right thanks jacob awesome. bye guys thank you